0: This episode, I talked to Ashok Das, Managing Director, Fixed Income and Currencies, Deutsche Bank. Ashok gave me a peek into the life of a high-flying market maker, how he copes with the pressures and incentives of the world of finance. Yes, a tweet from Trump can have a direct bearing on his life, but he tries to keep calm and carry on. This was a fascinating chat and has a lot of useful insights for anyone starting a career in the world of finance and banking. Learn how to grow into the fastest dinosaur out there. Hi, Ashok. Uh, welcome to Career Checkpoint. It's a it's a great pleasure to have you here.
1: Hey, hey, BHK. Well, Like I said, like This is a perfect opportunity to connect back to not only you but to everybody else, right? So it's been what sixteen odd years we are all together, and now. Look, an effort from you to connect us back then. So
0: thanks for <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, 16 years, like you said, it's, it's a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's usually the first question that I ask all my, uh, f- you know, friends who are guests. Let me call them guests rather than uh, only friends right now. So, yeah, so what have you been up to? That's usually, you know, my first question, the motivation for doing this uh, as well. What have you been up to in the last 16 years?
1: So professionally, yeah, a lot has moved around and a lot has changed. Uh, when I got out of MDI, I joined IDY Capital back then. So let me speak on the professional front first. Uh, right. The more uh, uh, I have achieved I think on the personal front. But uh, on the professional front, uh, ID by Caps was the first job that we moved. I moved to Mumbai uh, back in 2004. That was a time when I didn't even know what exactly finance world outside looks like. Right? So it Was just, I think, a rat race that I just did finance because it sounded right, it sounded sexy back like then. Um, and then kind of waddled through the water once I joined, right? So I was in IDBI Capital for a year, I did uh, equity prop trading, right? So, and after a year, I, I was like, uh, um, so of a DC company, so let's try and uh, look for a uh, foreign bank job, right? And DB back then was hiring in sales. So surprise, surprise, I joined the bank in sales. I was uh, in institutional sales. Uh, knowing I, I'm not a salesperson, right? I never had thought I would become a salesperson, but yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly. For two years old I did sales. Um, covering banks and uh, insurance companies, uh, et cetera. Um, and then came a point that I said, now I have to make a move in terms of uh, move into structuring or trading or some kind of other roles, not just a sales side, item, uh, kind of more um, fixed income kind of roles. And that's when I think the major move happened for me that um, there was opening in Singapore within the bank. There were a few ups and downs uh, back then and that's exactly when even the financial crisis hit this was around 2007-8 i moved to singapore i moved into uh, kind of a regional role and for the last 12 13 years old i've been just evolving uh okay right so starting from one market to now doing 12 markets regional role uh, global team uh, global role kind of all this stuff right uh, so, yeah, in terms of moves between companies, uh, there, there was only one move back in 2005. But I would say in terms of roles, I've been evolving my role every single year. Right? So, uh, like I joke, even my, in my bank, that my team itself, the name of my team, changes every single year because we add the one additional abbreviation or uh, additional function to the team. Right? So it's a uh, trading, comes sales, come structuring. All those, so I'm sure you will venture into what all these means. But uh, um, so so it's it's been quite a journey in terms of living through in a single organization for most part of my life, um, living through the ups and downs of the institution, of the industry, um, of my own career, and then kind of growing within the organization. Right, so. Um, and I would say I w- I've been very lucky in terms of being at the right time at the right place, uh, um, with the right people, right. And I think that matters a lot and that's what has moved me along all through, right. So yeah, broad- broadly that. So, and I'm still very much enjoying what I am doing. Uh, like I said, uh, this year was, uh, probably the, one of the most, uh, exciting years. I won't call it challenging. I would call it much more exciting, uh, and, uh, Next year is again. More things are going to change, right? So an evolving, changing kind of role keeps me excited. through.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ashok, for that quick uh, brief on what has mm-hmm. happened in the last fifteen years. Like you said, a lot of questions pop up in my mind. Uh, so if you can tell me. Uh, what do you do on, on a, hmm. uh, a day-to-day basis and how has it changed over the last few years from the time say you moved from your sales role to this so or the, like I was telling you the other way to answer this is if I have to tell my you know 10 year old 11 year old uh, kid that I have a friend you know who's in Deutsche Bank uh, hmm. and he asked me what does he do how should I answer that question
1: yeah so like my in-laws also thought that even after i got married they thought i am a branch manager so anybody who is a senior person in a bank might be a branch manager then they thought branch manager in singapore doesn't sound right that that can be the only branch so even i it's a tough task even to explain to them even till now right what, what i exactly do and um, why i do what i do kind of thing but um, kind of uh, Simplistically put, right, and and this is, I would say, one of the toughest part of explaining um, the breadth um, of uh, kind of uh, what all functions go into it. But think of financial marketing, capital markets being um, a big part of overall financial markets, right? So capital markets deals with corporates, institutional raising capital, whether it's in equity, whether it's debt, right? Um, along with it comes all the risks that these institutions or corporates take, whether it's the interest rate kind of uh, exposure, forex exposure, commodity exposure, equity exposure, whatever, right? So, all financial market instruments that would give rise to uh, these kind of uh, exposures, whether it's balance sheet exposure, translation exposure, or whatever, think of it, right? So, think of all the companies that you talk to, all other guys, they would be working in some company or other. They would have a core function, which is probably manufacturing or, uh, um, or probably like software companies and everything else. But given everybody is global, they would have to deal with multiple currencies, multiple regimes, multiple regulations, right? Cross border. Right? Um, and cross border, when I say it, means basically moving money from one country to other, converting money from one to other, et cetera, et cetera. Now, so what we broadly do as a fixed income team would be giving clients solutions to their kind of these exposures, broadly speaking. So exposures right from what they want to do in terms of their capital structure to what exposures they would have, which is non-core to them, they should be hedging. Or on an institutional side, think of other banks, insurance, pension funds who need some sort of investment, some sort of exposure or think of the private wealth clients or the HNIs, so to say who need to deploy their money somewhere. So what kind of investment they would look for. So think of both the asset side, liability side, everything put together. And in terms of my role itself. So one is when I call trading, trading is basically dealing with managing all these risks, right? Both for clients as well as our own books. Um, And there is part structuring. Structuring is basically not about putting in like rocket science kind of solutions, but putting a solution, right? What's the first questioning what the client problem is and then thinking of what the solution might be, right? What exactly is that is hurting them and what exactly we can do to get rid of that problem. And finally then managing risk, right? And risk when you say, Think of risk in our lingo. Risk is basically all the financial market risk or instrument risk, whether it's interest rate risk or X risk. that the market risk, so to say, markets move, that's gives rise to risk. Uh, there is cross-border risk, which in our lingo, again, cross-border risk is basically the regulatory risk, right? Like in India, if you think about it, RBI or SEBI keep on changing rules like every other second, right? That's a regulatory risk we deal with. Uh, we deal with all the legal, Kind of risk because end of the day everything is what is written in the paper and what is on the dotted line, right? So that's the uh, kind of uh, legal risk and uh, all the other risk which kind of continues along with it, which is basically client selection, whom you are dealing with, um, client suitability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So it's broadly speaking a sell side kind of rule, uh, which people would tell you buy side rules are defined as who is managing somebody's money and kind of uh, investing on uh, directly. And the sell side is one who are executing the trades um, or managing the risks for them, right? Uh, but beyond that, in terms of it's uh, both advising clients as well as managing the banks, balance sheet banks, capital banks, money as well. Okay? So that's broadly right? Um And it's why it is so exciting and evolving all the time. Because given this region, Asia is a region and we operate in like 14 countries within this region, every single country is different. right? So you take India alone, which is so challenging in terms of just um, uh, keeping a tab of how the regulatory framework keeps on changing. You think of China, you think of other markets, right? every single country is different. So that keeps you kind of awake all the time. So it's exciting. And then you deal with clients, global clients who are, think of a West Coast kind of asset manager to a Nordic pension fund, to a, a Dubai-based uh, high net worth client, to a corporate who is uh, an entrepreneur who has just uh, IPO'd his uh, company and gotten quite a bit of money, what to do with it. Or it's somebody who has just shot up in their revenue, and but the revenue is in multiple currency, don't know what to do kind of thing. But so the... The
0: width of clients itself is also uh, quite excellent. Uh, you know, the first question that came to mind, Ashok, was uh, given the breadth and you're talking about 14 odd countries, um, how do you even you know, stay on top of the, the different regimes that you're talking about? Like you said, India itself will be so complex and complicated uh and uh, you know we are not and we are talking at a very very high level where uh, you know tax regimes could change regulations could change uh relations between two countries could change uh, you know how do you manage the uh, you know the, the trade between two countries might have an impact and these could be second order third order uh, you know <laughs> outcomes that you are uh, talking about so basically how do you stay on top of all of this information there
1: um uh, information is the key, right? In terms of keeping uh, in touch with everything which is happening, obviously, right? Um, and there's no way of saying that I can on any single day or any single time be knowing everything which is out there, right? So I have to rely a lot on the team, obviously, right? So we have people in every single country, trading sales, uh, guys, structuring team, like there are people, at least what 25 30 people in front office and trading in every single country uh, for us right, so that on the ground presence gives you the hold of what's the what's going on in those countries. Right? Obviously you would rely on all the news agencies and everything else right, but you need to build eyes and ears in your own team eyes and ears within clients eyes and ears with other agencies brokers etc etc who can continuously keep on giving you information right and one of the key elements of a doing this kind of role as well as being on top of and ahead of all these changes or um, anything which is happening kind of geopolitically would be kind of first sensing what's the direction of that change and then thinking of what the change will impact whom and how, right? And what that means and then going in front of those clients and telling them that this is the kind of regime change which is going to come. Think of the US-China tariff war, which is the most popular kind of geopolitical situation in the last say two years right so what that means for somebody like an US company who is manufacturing in China and what that would mean in last uh, next two years right or next five years their supply chain or their uh, currency hedging or their where their balance sheet is how they will fund what they will fund how should they diversify the portfolio etc etc right so, In terms of staying ahead, in terms of um, information, I would say in the last 15 years, information right now is like accessible to everybody, almost right, Uh, and almost instantaneously, everybody would get to know on Bloomberg what headline comes in that SAFE, which is uh, China's regulator has changed their policy on FX, et cetera, et cetera, overnight. So probably whatever, 50 institutions on the street will know almost simultaneously that this change is going to happen. So obviously, if you are well connected into the regulator on the ground, you are you have eyes and ears. You would know before this change is coming that this might come, not the exact timing, but this might come. Right? The direction of travel, right? So that is an edge you want to build. You may or may not have, but you want to build in every single country. But more importantly, once this change is confirmed, right? You need to be on top that what exactly this means. This, what's the first order effect, second order effect, third order effect of this particular change, and who, and which are the bigger kind of players or bigger clients or bigger uh, participants whom this will matter the most, right? And how would you matter to them in terms of solving that situation? So I think that's a mix of knowing what is going to happen, kind of forecasting that. And second, once that happens, what do you do with it?
0: right right on on that note uh, again you know the other thing about forecasting is that you know there are enough studies which say that you know the the experts usually get it wrong uh, and and you talk about uh, you know how you should have uh, information coming in from your eyes and ears on the ground uh, however unbiased the information that is coming in is uh, we are all humans when we start yeah. doing scenario planning we go with some uh, you know hunch and we yeah. try to then uh, align all the information that we are getting to what what we want so how do you protect yourself against uh, something like this
1: so two aspects to it right? and you are very right right if every anybody could have go, gotten like every single forecast or every single kind of prediction right then one need not work in the bank they would just manage their own money which will grow like 100% IRR every single year, right, kind of thing. Uh, But uh, the main point would be, yes, what you need to advise to clients and tell people is what is your non-core risk, first and foremost, right? So irrespective of what your view is on the risk, you need to get rid of that risk, right? So tomorrow, if the view is right or wrong, doesn't matter. If the risk is your non-core, like I said, a software company should not have an Dollar China FX risk, right? Kind of thing. It's not their core. Right? Tomorrow on their quarterly report, if they report that they had a hundred million dollar loss because of FX move in China, that's something their shareholders would not like to see, right? So non-core risk, irrespective of you, get rid of it. Don't speculate on currency when your business is to making uh, phones or making software, follow um, right? So that that's first and foremost. Huh? The second is definitely nobody gets everything right, right? So you need to be on top of your risk all the time and be very agile and very dynamic in terms of what you do with the portfolio, right? So whether it's, suppose I am managing my work portfolio in terms of like these 14 countries plus there are G10 markets, you take a risk on those. Um, So at any point of time, there would be like 200 different kind of risk units, right? Now, if you just spread around everywhere there is no way you can be on top of everything so you need to have very good mis you need to have very good systems you need to have very good almost instantaneous risk reports right to be on top of and scenario analysis etc etc to know exactly what's happening when how things can change and impact your portfolio at any point of time right so it's like i said Not everyone gets everything right all the time, but you need to know if something doesn't go right, what do you need to do, right? So, so, suppose I have put on some positions and everything else today, and overnight, whatever, right? U.S. something happens, right? Whether it's Trump tweeting something or it's XYZ happening, right? You need to be absolutely sure in terms of what would be the impact of that when tomorrow morning you wake up, right? In terms of your portfolio changing in terms of markets changing, in terms of what that impact on Asia will be, right, Uh, at that point of time. So all that you need to put in place, and then you need to rely on your people in US to kind of rebalance the portfolio at that point of time to be able to manage the risk, right? So it's knowing and kind of, again, um, playing around with what exactly can happen to the portfolio um, when, Things don't go as per plan, right? And how um, fast you can react. Right? I, I think the speed and not being married to some thought process is the key, right? So that that's how one would kind of manage money on their own or manage money for
0: clients, etc., etc. Ashok, was any of this actually taught? Uh, you know, when we, are, we were at MDA, or uh, is this all on-the-job learning that you have, uh, you know, got?
1: uh some bits theoretic uh, theoretical part yes you did learn right so uh, one shouldn't say that one didn't learn anything out of b school and everything was uh, what you learn on the job etc obviously uh, you learn a lot throughout the job so once you start working you start kind of uh, relating the aspect like i said i started in equity prop so all the basic models about equity forecasting, modeling, discounting, et cetera. All those came in, all the Damodaran books and et cetera does play in, right? Uh, when I started in fixed income, started doing options and everything, your uh, uh, hull and everything else did come in, right? So yes, theory does matter and you need to be very kind of familiar with the theory, but I won't say that you need to be like carrying those books all through your career, right? but it does give you a very good grounding in terms of knowing, right? And like I'm engineer from background, right? So during engineering, you had learned nothing about all this, right? All you had learned was applied mathematics and everything else, right? So again, none of that we use as of now, right? But it gives you a good grounding in terms of analytical thinking, right? That's the closest I can think of that how I'm using my electronics engineering right now, right? But MBA definitely was much more closer to what uh, we are doing um, in terms of having the basics, in terms of even having the exposures, right? In terms of we had so many corporate exposures, we did so many projects, etc. So we did have this kind of corporate exposure that uh, you'd carry into your careers, right? Um, and really, then it is uh, how you then relate that and uh, marry that theoretical knowledge into what you learn on the job, because. Every single person has the same book, right? End of the day, right? So if I am hiring the grads even this year, they have read the same books, right? So my suggestion to them would be that yes, you need to be very strong to those books, but don't get married to those books, right? Just use them as a base, right? And then learn as much as possible
0: um, and
1: keep on making your own book, so to say. Right, right,
0: right. right. Yeah, I think, I think being open... Uh, I think is is a very important thing. Yes, you have your grounding; uh, those basics are important as building blocks. But uh, like you said, don't get married uh, to some. You know, don't be dogmatic, uh, and be open yeah, yeah. for uh, you know reviewing your ideas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, how I would put yeah. It. right, right, yeah. yeah. And uh, how important do you think in your personal career was the move to Singapore uh, from uh, you know as a as a uh, like the place where everything in the finance world happens, right? So how important was Singapore in your personal career journey?
1: Um, when I look back, it, it it all worked well and it was very important. It all gelled in together in terms of the timing of the move, the role I took, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? But if you ask me 12 years ago or 13 years ago now, um, if I really planned to be here, I never did, right? So, like I said, I was in sales, I was looking for some change, right? Um, I was even trying out with other banks on the street. uh, And like I said, being at the right place, right time, some fate, some luck also uh, gives it and something clicked that I rejected all the other offers. I just moved to some role, which I didn't even understand what the role is fully. And I just leapt into it, right? I just took a jump um, and um, that kind of worked out, right. And because I was just new into the role, I was kind of shielded through all the financial crisis and everything. And I learned much more during that financial crisis compared to others who were like, struggling through it, right. So really, don't, I would say one shouldn't be planning too much, right, one should be more adaptable in terms of what life throws at you both professionally and personally, right. And how do you take what comes along right so I mean, 13 years earlier I could have taken different career paths right different bank some of the banks don't even exist now right so um, and believe me those were much more lucrative compared to this right So somehow that instinct came in that stick to a known kind of organization known kind of people right even if the role is not known it's something new you will kind of grow into it right but that's a challenge and a new place, right? I never traveled outside of India probably once before that, right? So I had never been to even Singapore back then. So it it was totally new, right? And back then I didn't know that what these 14 markets are, et cetera, et cetera, right? I only knew India and I thought I will be doing India out of Singapore kind of thing. So, uh, but that just happened at the right time and to give the best learning one could have in a regional role or sitting in the center of uh, the Asian kind of uh, all the markets. And those two years of financial crisis, it it was a crash course of uh, global markets uh, that one can have, right? And career just um, took different path altogether from there, right? Right. So so when I look back, yeah, that, that was the best decision I made although that's not a decision I made, it just
0: happened. Yeah, but uh, even otherwise, uh, you know, in terms of you growing as a person, uh, Mm. how much do you think that, uh, you know, that shift actually helped uh, in knowing more people, different kinds of people, because for whatever, uh, you know, whatever you say, India with all its diversity of thoughts and backgrounds and all that, you, you still sort of, it's, it's, there is a homogeneous uh, feeling, uh, you know, whether you come from uh, Gujarat or Tamil Nadu or West Bengal, you sort of know. But then suddenly when you're uprooted and put in a very different uh, environment, physical environment as well, uh, was, there, was there a sense of uh, you know, apprehension? Were there any moments where you were worried? And, and if there were, how did you overcome them? Uh, and when you look back, what are those, you know, memorable uh you know anecdotes or incidents that come to mind when you think about that uh uh, switch
1: yeah um, you're very right right when you move to a new place and then start interacting with people from multiple countries right and every country different kind of personality. it means every single person is different personality altogether now you're dealing with people of different nationalities you don't even know their culture english is not the first language of everybody right so it's it's a major challenge right uh, but i would say it's no different from even within india if you go deeper and start working with like 30 different uh, language backgrounds uh, kind of people right uh, but that was a major kind of exposure for sure right because you are sitting on a trading floor kind of a floor full of 150 people uh, out of 150 probably 70 nationalities right uh, so obviously each trading floor would have a lot of Indians, right? So your natural tendency can become that you go into that kind of group. But what I definitely did was I pushed myself to not do that, right? Interact more and more with trying to learn cultures, learn kind of practices, learn kind of how people behave, what they say is what they don't mean and vice versa kind of thing, right? And travel more, right? Back then I started traveling much more, right? So the one of the best way to know people is sit across them, drink with them, kind of, uh, and which I still continue to do, right? That's how you build the social equity, right? With people. And once you invest in that social equity and kind of keep on working with them for like, last 15 years, I've been working with people in these countries. That's when you start building kind of relationships with them, right? Understand them much better. And they trust you, you trust them, building those trust, right? Um, So it was definitely challenging. And I would put myself in the kind of an introvert kind of category right that's why i said i didn't feel like i would be a perfect salesperson i was not comfortable when people my clients used to call me when to drink and not me telling them when to drink right so i want to be in control on that front uh, but once you start interacting with people everybody has a story everybody has a way of thinking you learn from them etc cetera, etc cetera. so so that, that was very interesting. Right? And you asked for anecdotes, right? So this was back in 2007, and I got married in 2007, just four months after I moved to Singapore, right? And when I started traveling, um, I started working out with people, etc. So I went to Jakarta, my senior trader back then. He, he was like shell, shell shocked, right? I was what, 26 or 27 back then? And he was shocked that I'm going to get married, right? So he spent the entire weekend keeping me in Jakarta and making me drunk. To convince me not to get married, right? That that's not the age to get married, and I need to see world much more, right? So, so that's how you kind of get uh, closer to people. Um, he's still a friend of mine. He's now in uh, London, right? So, um, and you build personal relationships. With so, it's not just interacting with people on a very formal basis. I firmly believe in that. People have a different face in office versus what they don't say in office right so you need to build this social equity with everybody and social equity is built over time right like one of the biggest challenges right now we have is we are depleting that social equity in this lockdown when we are not able to travel or when zoom and all are good but you don't get that pulse of the person whether he's fidgeting whether it's comfortable uh what he's thinking etc etc right so
0: yeah so, uh, you know, you did mention that uh, you came from an engineering background, but was uh, doing an MBA always a thing in your mind that you are going to do this and within an MBA you're going to take finance or was that something that drove you from earlier?
1: Not at all, not at all, right? Still fourth year of my engineering, I didn't know I was going to do MBA right? Uh, So I was preparing for, uh, I did my engineering from MSU in uh, Baroda, right? And back then the trend was uh, everybody used to give GRE and just go to do MS in US, right? So like 60, 70% of the batch will just go, 20% or 25% will probably start job and rest of the 5% will figure out what to do in life, right? I was kind of ended up in that part who finally figured out that let's just give CAT and so I literally prepared for CAT in like three months because I gave GRE, but then I thought, no, I don't want to go there. Uh, and then CAT ran. Now, once CAT was through, then got into MDA, then figured out what to do. And so first year was all common. So uh, nothing to decide, just do what you need to do to get through. And then um, I felt like finance was close to maths in terms of, what I understood, what interested me. Uh, little did I know what financial markets or fin- jobs in financial market mean, it means even during the uh, kind of placement process. I mean, there were not many companies who used to come back then. Right? So we didn't even have kind of exposure back then, right? So sitting in the engineering seat, I didn't have too much exposure what MBA means. Sitting in MBA, I didn't have too much exposure, I would say, what the broader kind of uh, job market kind of means, right? Uh, But you take things as you go, right? And IDWA Caps was the first financial firm which came to the campus. Uh, Little did I know what they had to offer. I just said, yes, let's go for it. Once I ended up in Mumbai in their office, they asked me what you want to do. I said, you give me what you want to do, uh, what you want me to do. And uh, they said, okay, start doing equity trading, right? And I was very lucky 2 months into my job because it was a kind of smallish kind of firm with like four or five grads at any point of time but they had good amount of capital right and they were a complete prop shop back then right so i was managing an equity portfolio of around 200 crores 2 months into my job or on my own right so it was like trial by fire and i started doing things right so things just evolve you can never plan those right so and that's been my motto all through my life don't over plan things right because then you start getting disappointed right that Mm. i or kind of yes you should put some benchmarks and some kind of soft targets where you want to be at what age. but really doesn't matter right means everybody takes a different pace in life different um, based in life both professionally as well as personally, would you plan that I need to have a kid by the age of 28 or 29? <laughs> Those kind of targets are not really matters right? you should have a target, I should have a kid, but not like exact age and to half a year kind of uh certainty kind of thing, right? Uh, same thing professionally, right? You should broadly think about what you need to do in life, but would I need want to do exactly this thing one year down the road? Maybe, maybe not, right? It would be good to have, but I won't kill myself if I didn't get there. Right. So don't be too hard on yourself, right?
0: And be, like I said, adaptable. Yeah. So I am reminded of uh, this book called uh, uh, How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen, where uh. he talks about uh, having something like a pencil sketch. Uh, hmm. You know, he says life should be like a pencil sketch uh, yeah. that, so that it is not uh, final, you know, whatever yeah. you want. Uh, you can, you know, deviate a bit. Uh, there is a general outline of what you want to do in your life, uh, exactly. but how it will turn out, the exact contours or things that you should, you know, experience and enjoy and, uh, you know, draw them as they come.
1: Totally, uh, totally. I am a firm believer of that, right? So I would never use a kind of ink pen or a ball pen to draw my life. Yeah. Right? So... <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so and and coming back to you know the world of finance uh, uh as someone who is an outsider um, mm. the world of finance especially the way it is portrayed in you know popular culture is like this high pressure uh high flying as well uh right uh, uh roles where people are uh, yes driving the Lamborghinis and ferrari's of the world but are also uh, you know just just have under so much of pressure. Uh, just to stay on top of things and they're always competing uh, with someone uh, either personally or professionally that, you know, uh, the other bank should not get the same deal or whatever. So is that true? Is that a fair portrayal of the function that you are in? And, uh, you know, do do you see that in your life as well?
1: I'm not sure how many Wall Street movies you have seen,
0: but uh, uh, I won't say that all they show is false, but...
1: uh, Pre-financial crisis, a lot of that used to be true in terms of the from when and in terms of uh, um, how people portray themselves, etc. But yes, even going back 15 years, and how I got closer and closer to this industry is even I got attracted to this this kind of lifestyle and how people portray, how the fast kind of pace of life they have, obviously the money and the glitter around it.
0: Right. And, and i must and point out at this uh, uh, you know this moment that you are wearing a, a ferrari uh, shirt which will, will oh, not yeah. be visible uh, in the audio po- podcast <laughs> yeah
1: that's just incident uh, i know i know i was just pulling a leg <laughs> uh, so or, or maybe it was planned huh? so <laughs> so yeah I mean, there is that element to it but what and like you likely, uh, rightly said, right there, it is a high pressure job. Right? It's different. And I'm not saying only this industry is high pressure, right? Every single job, whether it's in a corporate job or a startup or entrepreneur, everybody has their own kind of challenges. right? So here it is definitely demanding in terms of uh, the number of hours in terms of uh, uh, coping up with different markets, like you are kind of working 24 by five, almost weekends are yours mostly, but uh, you need to be on the ball all the time, right? And given that your performance, your portfolio, your clients are so kind of exposed to anything which can happen around the world, right? So that kind of keeps you uh, on on your toes all the time, right? So that's one part of it. Um, So obviously there is the markets, the movement in the markets, et cetera, that, that part to manage, then it is a people business end of the day, because everybody has the same computers, everybody has the same systems, etc., etc. End of the day, uh, your team will be as good as the people in the team, right? So it is a people business. Uh, you have to manage all the people. You have to be close to the people, understand trust. Like I said, like you, you need to build those bridges and you can trust only then you can move. So that aspect you need to be on top of. Um, and It is definitely challenging because it is a high-risk, high-reward kind of game, right? Um, You need to enjoy it, definitely. Uh, You need to relax also as much as possible. Yeah, you will have most of your career where you sleep only only like five hours a day, right? You get used to it because middle of the night, two o'clock, you will wake up and you will check your BlackBerry, you will check your phone and you will see the markets And it's even in your sleep, you will do that, right? That becomes your second nature, right? Um, You will have days where you sleep at 2, wake up at 4 kind of things, right? You just, generally, your body clock starts getting used to it, right? So physically, also, it starts getting very demanding, right? So you need to balance it out, and that's why I personally feel you need to do a lot of sports, like yoga and everything else to keep yourself balanced, right? Otherwise, it can burn you out totally, right? In terms of um uh, the late hours, the early mornings etc et etc cetera, et cetera. it's just very demanding on the body also right um, but in terms of if you enjoy being in these kind of setup, you enjoy being um, work, uh, working with these people right uh, mm-hmm. like, I very much enjoy working with the team I have across the board the kind of clients you the most intelligent kind of people on the street you always, interact with, right? Um, and it's just a general challenge which comes every single day, right? You don't know right now if tomorrow is tsunami on 26, it will hit, right? So so that's the nature of this business, right? And what do you do if it hits, right? You can never plan for it. Right? If I just hedge my portfolio all the time, I will just end up paying money to hedge it and not make any money, right? So you have to be always be ready to swim when this tsunami comes, but we you, you don't know when the tsunami comes, kind of right. So that kind of kind of keeps you on your toes all the time. But at the same time, you get used to that challenge, right? That that's the call it drugs which keeps you awake and keeps you going. Right,
0: right, right yeah. So how how do you manage the pressure? You mentioned yoga and sports. One uh, was that, and a subpart to that is, uh, is there any time when you feel that you know? you're probably not giving enough attention to something else uh, has that been uh, been a concern or you know a lingering thought somewhere on the personal side your own interests or say your kids has, has does that happen uh, that, that's a question
1: no so one of the major support system you need to have is a very good kind of uh, family support right and i've been very lucky on the personal front to have a very uh, understanding wife kids who are now much used to not having their father around most of the week uh, kind of thing but uh, having that support system in terms of the entire family tuned to in terms of your working hours, your stress time so and you need to kind of keep the stress in, of office in office and not uh, get it home and everybody says that's what one should do but it's not
0: done, yeah, right? said, it's done.
1: Easy, yeah. So you do come back office, you do take calls from home, your portfolio does come into stress when you are still at home, right? Um, so uh, you need to have a very understanding family for sure. right? And I don't think one can do this kind of roles. Either you stay single for life and you make the money or uh, you need to definitely try and balance and give time, pull out time, right? Uh, so you need to cut yourself off from markets and everything. At least weekends, I try to do that. Uh, you need to keep yourself fit, right? Do all your medical checkups, not wait till 40 or 50 when you start doing it. I I started doing it 10 years back, right? You don't know what's wrong when it's wrong how the body is taking it. Um, And uh, try and take things easy once in a while, right? Uh, So uh, both in terms of professionally as well as socially, trying and interacting with people much more as well as... uh, learning from kids, right, not putting pressure on them, uh, but trying and being kids for a change with the kids, right, I think that's the part which relaxes you the most, right, so, but yes, in terms of paying a cost price for this kind of lifestyle or this uh, role or this kind of career is, I can say, like, after our first year, my wife doesn't work, right, and I can't be more thankful to her that she took the, Mental to take care of the family while I was out of home most of the time, right? So uh, I did offer that I can do the part and she can continue her job, but she didn't take it too well. But (laughs) but, uh, but, yeah, there are sacrifices to be made, but I would say things do play out well when you have an understanding kind of ecosystem, right? Um, And you also give back to the ecosystem equally uh, as much as you can, right? So, not focused on the career all the time, but uh, do uh, de-stress as much as possible uh, and don't take stress at home as much as possible.
0: Right, right. right. Again, like you said, Ashok, these are uh, easier said than done, Uh, you know, for uh, especially somebody who's starting off uh, in their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may be just bedazzled by you know like we said uh, the portrayals in the popular culture and yeah all the uh, the right incentives are there uh, to keep them within that uh, that corporate uh, treadmill right yeah. uh, uh, So you know what would your advice be to say someone who's starting off uh, like this at that? Uh, again, yes, it's easier said than done. You are talking from 15 years of experience, you're looking back, and saying these things. Somebody will say, when you are uh, four years into your career, you also must have been doing the same thing. Uh, So what is your advice to someone like that? So
1: back when I joined DB, so there used to be still people around who were in the bank for 15, 20 years back then. I used to look at them and say, what kind of losers these are, right? They are still in the bank for so long. They don't change, right? Are they not capable enough to move ahead or... uh, are they just loving their job so much, right? I would always think it's the first rather than the latter, right? Um, so now I am I am in that seat. I am like a furniture in the bank now, but uh, uh, but to the grads and the new people who come in, right? So I would say you should enjoy what you do, right? Means And you should never shy away of pressure, right? Since we all know now the, whether you call it the millennials or the generation or the guys with uh, a lot of sense of entitlement who come in or who have much more options, so to say. Right? Uh, don't run after options all the time, right? So if you have decided something, just invest yourself in it, right? Things diff- at any point of time, you can take different paths and carry, right? You can go out, put your CV out and get 10 job offers or um, you can change your profile, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and uh, one shouldn't, keep on going after those options or thinking of those options all the time, right? So if you have gone into something, invest time and effort into it, right? Give you a hundred percent, be totally adaptable in terms of what the job demands of you, but at the same time, make the job your own, right? Which is basically define your role, right? In my last 15 years, I think it was the first two months only when I was told exactly what I need to do, right? So and I'm lucky to be in this kind of Organizational culture where it's quite entrepreneurial in terms of what you want to do is what you define, right? It means nobody is stopping you from doing. It means you step on other stores once in a while, but as long as you are not killing somebody else, like grow as much as you can, can right? Whether it's organic inorganic, vertical, horizontal, whichever way, right? Uh, something you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I would expect of the Juniors, right? Which is basically tell the people who have been around like me for 15, 20 years in the bank or the dinosaurs of the organization, what new can be done. That's the uh, perspective, which these guys bring in, right, which oh. kind of blood and how the thinking and everything else, which, uh, or maybe they are still things which we are still doing the same way, like we were doing 15 years ago, right. Uh, so that, that, that's uh, the recommendation I will have for the juniors. Right? That, Come in, invest yourself, give your 100%. Don't get burnt out in one week, one month that I can't do it kind of thing, right? I need my life back. So so do invest yourself in, give your 100%. You may be lucky, unlucky in terms of the people you are working with, but try and adapt to that. Try and adapt to the job, the pressure, the people, right? Because you can't choose your boss all the time, right? If you keep on choosing your boss all the time, you will keep on changing your job probably... 10 times in a year, right? So you would always want to work for a Steve Jobs or a Jeff Bezos all the time. Uh, maybe they are also not as good a boss, right? So, yeah. or as Jeff Bezos a, is considered yeah. to be
0: the worst boss. <laughs> exactly, right.
1: <laughs> so that, that, that's what it is, right? So you can't choose your, just like you can't choose your siblings or um, uh, etc. So you don't tend to choose your bosses. So make the best out of it. And best out of
0: the organization, and if nothing works, yes, obviously you move ahead, Right, right, yeah, uh, that's that's an interesting uh, uh, advice. Uh, I would say Ashok. Another thing that struck me when you were talking about uh, you know how how you maintain that kind of a balance earlier, um, if you remember, we used to play cricket uh, at India, uh, ah, yeah. and uh, you used to be like you know the the opening bowler, uh, know, quick, uh, and uh, when we met for our 10 year reunion i think uh, you are the one who was ready for another game of cricket <laughs> more than anyone else uh, uh, in our batch so clearly you have you know paid. you may not have bowled or played cricket but definitely, you're definitely up for anything, uh, you know, physical or, or a, a, a sport or a game, right? So yeah, is there yeah. something very deliberate? Uh, have you been, you know, playing something? What, what are the other things that you do? Like you said, 24 by 5 is, of course, dedicated to your bank. But mm-hmm. then on the other two days, what do you do?
1: No, so I have continued doing some sports or other, right? So cricket definitely was something I continued doing in India. Uh, even after moving to Singapore, I started playing for the bank and, continued, but it's a full day gone, right, in a full, and once you have kids, that kind of time demand, you can't fit in, right, so um, then, but I continued with tennis, I recently picked up badminton, given it rains every other day, you can't do tennis, so I shifted to indoor sports, so badminton suits me, I started swimming, I started doing yoga, like, five years ago when somebody told me it's good to keep uh, helps you keep calm uh, start doing some yoga but it was more to stretch out rather than to calm my mind right so yoga does complement going to gym so one thing I did do is I knew that just going to gym is not enough because I can't push myself enough to do what needs to be done in a gym so I put personal trainers 10 years back and just pay them to kill me every other day right five (laughs) o'clock in the morning right so uh, and just put a schedule around it right Uh, in terms of doing some physical activity every single week right so that that keeps you going right so yes i'm still up for a game i haven't bowled in last two years i still do the cage cricket but uh, i can still whenever our reunion happens let's let's go for it right
0: yeah (laughs) That's that's uh, that's awesome, Ashok. Uh One more thing that I wanted to ask you about, and uh, this is something which, uh, like, when I was uh, reading up about you as a prep for this uh, call, I read about the market maker of the year award that. uh oh, yeah, 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 by what? Risk. Uh, Asia, Asia Risk. Huh? Asia Risk. Yeah. So uh, talk to me about that. Was that like a high point in your career, or uh, you know, how did that come about? Uh, that that whole award.
1: Yeah, so this is I would say only getting validated for uh, what you do all through, right? Uh, In terms of, and this came about more during the lockdown and during all the um, COVID kind of crisis which happened earlier this year. Is basically what you have built in terms of your organization, in terms of your team, in terms of your interaction to client and what you do for clients all the time, right? So. Being a market maker is basically being there for your clients when they need you, right? Broadly speaking, that's what it means. And we were there, right? So we were not telling people that somebody wants to liquidate something; just be there for them. Right? And I would say this is basic kind of customer centricity or customer service you need to have, right? irrespective of the industry or the product you are doing, right? So I would say this is rocket science or this is something which uh, one needs to be awarded for this, everybody should be doing. Uh, And I would say we were just doing it when others didn't do it, right? So that made you get get the award. But uh, you need to have a, like I said, I keep on going back to the team, the setup, the people uh, who are there all through, right? Um, You push them, everybody has some sort of problem associated with COVID, people are locked down, everybody has somebody relative or somebody else who has uh, gone through um, the infection etc but keeping the team together and making them do uh, what they are supposed to do right Uh, not pushing them too much but having them motivated enough to do their job day in day out even when you can't meet you can't uh, access everything which you normally do Um, yeah that's challenging as well as rewarding right this is just getting validated for what you have built for last right. decade or so right yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's a long system and this is just you know one validation that yeah you've been doing the right things and others yeah. should follow <laughs> <laughs> totally. yeah. yeah yeah so uh, i know with uh, 14 uh, countries it's very difficult to actually uh, put a definite marker saying this is when your day starts but as compared to the you know to the regular world, uh, who will probably wake up at whatever four, five, six, whenever uh, you wake up after the alarm goes off, how does your day look like?
1: My typical day, right? And let's call it a typical day when lockdowns were not there, right? So right. that would, yeah. I would call those typical days not the. But uh, I would generally wake up five in the morning, right? Five, five fifteen in the morning. Uh, have my coffee, catch up with all the news and overnight whatever has happened to the markets across the world, um, check up with my mails, um, there's a ton, uh, like barrage of mails which come overnight, right, so like find out which are the important ones to act upon later kind of thing. Uh, by six, I'm in the gym and six to seven, I'm with the trainer to him to kill me as much as possible, right, I pay in for that. <laughs> um seven i'm back if i'm lucky in terms of catching my school kid uh, kids uh, school bus uh, i will drop them off right few days i do it few days i can't and by 7 25 7 30 i'm off to office right so um, and that's when the kind of uh, all the fun and games begin right so you start catching up with people. Uh, your calendar is generally f- quite full in terms of uh, a lot of admin work, a lot of kind of team meetings, a lot of client meetings, right? uh, some project or other would be going on, some deal will be going on. Right? Um, and this is normally when you are not traveling. right? So uh, my life is totally different in terms of travel versus non-travel. right? So I need to balance a lot in terms of do the maximum I can when I'm not traveling in terms of both uh, sports activities and, and um, spending as much time as possible with kids and family and when traveling it goes but here right so there's a lot lot more social interaction and drinking uh, when it goes there but um, in terms of them going through the day it's generally means even when you would think it's a light day there's still things happening in the market you would kind of push your sales guys your traders your uh try and catch up with as many people as possible all through the region right um you will kind of push your business managers your uh, uh it guys and everybody else who are working on I means everybody is working on some automation project or other all the time right so that that's the uh, what we call re-engineering which keeps on going on so you invest a lot of time and effort to learn something or uh, do on that front um afternoon London starts coming in that's when your interaction with them also starts uh, happening right so uh, London is a big part for us in terms of my team is there in terms of them uh, then updating what's happening uh, in that time zone um, typically the day ends by it's not a social event that I need to uh, go to it ends by probably seven thirty ish at time. It's it's easier to do now that you control your calendar much better. That you can come back home for dinner, um, and put kids to sleep, then catch up with markets and New York guys. Do the call with the New York guys then, right? So a lot of global calls which happen generally happen during 9 p.m. Singapore time. This is when all three time zones Singapore, London, and New York can come together. Right. right. So 9 to 11 is generally uh, the global calls and my glass of whiskey, right? which keeps me calm and probably by 11 30 12 i'm in bed right so typically that's how the day would go right yeah yeah
0: so so all that you mentioned about uh you know the kind of pressure and, and all that i can see given uh you know how your day starts from 5 and ends at 12 <laughs> it is very very true
1: <laughs> that's a normal day yeah <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. So, uh, Ashok, if you were to go back to 2002, uh, hmm. you know, and just before you were stepping into the campus of uh, MDI, what would you advise yourself uh, knowing what you know now?
1: Huh. Uh, what would I have done better in MDI or generally all through the career?
0: Yeah. What, what would you advise yourself at that point? What should I do,
1: I would have said, and I did take MDI quite easy in terms of not stressing myself too much. I would have said, just open up a bit more. I was, I think, I was still a bit too uptight in terms of not interacting too much, just um, being with uh, books a bit too much, at least in the first couple of trimesters. Uh, um, I would have travelled a bit more in terms of from Gurgaon itself, because I had never stayed in North before that. I should have traveled a bit bit more. I should have drank a bit more also. All through two years of MBI, I never drank, right? (laughs) Because uh, in engineering, I drank a bit too much. I thought let's take a break. I shouldn't have taken that break, right? I should have enjoyed MBI a bit more, right? Um, That would have made things easier, I would say. Um, And uh, I won't change too much of MDI per se, because like I said, I didn't stress myself too much in terms of I took things as they came, right. Uh, I did enjoy a lot of professors and their uh, classes. Uh, I did learn aspects of life also. Um, and uh, what else I would change, right? Uh, I would try and have a bit more fun, I, I think. right? Uh, and keep in touch with people a lot more after getting out, right? So right. I think that's the bit I would definitely change.
0: Right. <laughs> All right. And and uh, what have been you know the big influences in your life in terms of, say, it could be books or people or you know, it could even be a TV show for that matter or a movie that uh, you saw or read and it was like, aha, I need to change something. Was there anything like that?
1: Uh... More people you come across uh, during your career, right? So I have been very lucky to have good bosses, good mentors, right? So, my first boss back in IDBI Capital, um, when he was leaving, I thought my career is over, right? Because he's the one who gave me all the responsibilities and everything else, um, and he was moving within what eight months or nine months of my first job, right? So, so I I was totally distraught back then, right? That, Kind of thing. so he gave me an advice that look don't worry about where life will take you you will go places so don't worry about that. just keep a very stable head on your shoulder right and never allow your head rise in kind of arrogance in front of people right so just control that and you'll be fine right? and kind of that advice I still give to people all the time, right? Because in our industry, we hire people who have very high IQ, who are from excellent B schools, who are like uh, doing very well in studies, etc, etc, who all come in with some sort of air around them in terms of they are the gift to mankind kind of thing, right? So and you need to bash that, right? You can't go around life thinking that you are like the thing in in the organization. So I think to have some sort of humility, uh, I'm not saying you need to be subservient to everybody, but to have the humility, to have the self-awareness, I think that early part of the career to have that is pretty good. So I got a lot from all the mentors or all the bosses that I worked with pretty early in life. So I was lucky in that. Right,
0: right, yeah, so let let me come to the last section where I'll ask you some questions. They may mm. seem like rapid fire questions, but you can take your time to answer them. Uh, what is your superpower? A superpower.
1: I can go to bed at four and wake up at
0: five. Wow <laughs> that that is indeed no, a superpower. No matter,
1: no matter how much drunk I am. yeah
0: <laughs> fantastic. Uh, what do people come to you for?
1: Uh, people come to me for uh, fixing anything, right? So I am the fix-it-all kind of person within the organization first um, and hopefully in life as well now that, uh, kids definitely feel that way, that dad uh, is the handyman yeah, of the know. house. Yeah, <laughs> so, but in terms of finding some solution where the obvious solution is not there,
0: Right. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So, find finding not giving up and finding solution for clients or or whatever mess we are in.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. And um, what is a very underappreciated skill that more people should learn?
1: Um, I think more understanding people. Right. So early in the life which which we all don't choose which schools we go to early in our lives and even colleges for that matter right but if in life we have the opportunity to um, travel more interact more be more open to different cultures Uh, you asked earlier just uh, watching back to what you asked what would i have changed in mdi right i would have traveled much more and even taken uh, those courses where you guys traveled you were also part of I that, was not there right? part of that. Oh, no. 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 Hmm. But some of the guys did yeah, travel yeah. Hmm. and um, did a trimester in some uh, other countries, right? Uh, that just opens your kind of uh, thinking and uh, thinking about different people and how do you handle people. So I would say one of the most, and this is not taught in B-schools, right? How to interact with people, the social skills, uh, how to build the social equity, right? Uh, how to deal with different personalities, right? So that that's a skill which is, I would say, underappreciated. But that's the one which matters most, and most of the uh, jobs any anybody can do. Right, right. interpersonal right. skill. Yeah.
0: Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. And and how do you think or prepare for your own say professional future relevance?
1: Oh, you have to keep adapting and mm-hmm. learning, right? So even if you are a dinosaur in the organization or a furniture make sure you are the biggest dinosaur right and the most <laughs> kind of the fastest dinosaur who is t rex the t rex right? <laughs> right so all dinosaurs die they die together that's fine but don't be the one who gets eaten up right um, so yeah you need to evolve right you need to be abreast with technology you need to be abreast with obviously everything which is happening you need to be open to learning all the time, right? All these sound cliche, but you have to be that, right? You can't be doing the same job which you are doing. If you are doing the same job you were doing like last year, probably you should move on, right? So right. something needs to change all the time.
0: Right, right. And what would you have done if you had not come to MDI or not done your MBA? Not done my MBA. Um I
1: don't know probably followed through to us done MS probably we are uh, working at Amazon having Amazon stocks yeah so <laughs> not very different from uh, yeah where few of my colleagues are uh, right so right. Okay. yeah probably that was the easiest path or the most uh, traveled path uh, it's likely right. Like not that I would have been a sportsman or an athlete. I am very bad in music, so even that path is gone. So, yeah. I think those... I learned pretty early that my path was linked with academics, so
0: I had to do something linked to some studies, right? Right, right. Okay. Uh, slightly morbid one. Uh, if you were to write your own obituary, what would that sound look like?
1: Ah. Uh, Obituary. Uh, here's the guy who lived to its fullest, right? So, and enjoyed banking industry as it is portrayed.
0: <laughs> nice. Okay. And and the final question, Ashok, which I ask uh, all our uh, friends, uh, since 2004, what mm-hmm. has changed and what has remained the same?
1: Um, I, I would say I look the same. So, yes, so, I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just kidding. No, so what has changed? Definitely, you have learned so many things in life, right? And you have grown as a family, as a career, everything else, right? So no complaints on any front whatsoever, right? So, uh, so a lot has changed on um, that front. What hasn't changed is, I think, my hunger for still doing more, right? Still asking for more and still being still the same kid back in MDI, who was a part of me, was still unsure what will come tomorrow and let's be prepared for whatever comes to take it. That aspect I would want to keep throughout my life, right? Just be prepared for whatever comes, right? So even if you are running a company or whatever, right? So you can't always say I am top of everything. Have the humility of having a part of you kind of uh, ready for, whatever comes right? so and uh, have kind of time spent to learn new skill sets or something which will make you tread through that whatever comes right? so part of me is still the same student back in uh, mba which still thinks that tomorrow would be another tsunami hopefully not Right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: the student of life uh, now ashok <laughs> yeah yeah, fantastic. Uh, this is a great, uh, what, almost uh, one and a half hour long uh, chat, uh, Ashok. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I learned a lot uh, about uh, the banking and finance uh, industry that you could give a peek uh, into. So thanks a lot. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was all mine, man. Uh, and really, really kudos to you doing this one. And uh, hopefully we now interact much more and uh, not just with you, with everybody else in the batch also yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for doing this man yes thank you